All right, hey, everybody give a standing ovation to a woman that you love. Just come on, stand up and go crazy for the moms in the room, the moms in your life. We love y'all so much. Amazing. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas, and we just love you. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now following that. I'm glad it wasn't like that first part I thought I was going to be crying the whole time. I'm glad it was a laughing video. Otherwise, we'd all be in big trouble. <laughs> let's get out our Bibles. But yes, let's get out our Bibles on this beautiful Mother's Day. Uh, I, actually, I actually think this rain is a gift from God to my wife because she said, Andrew, all I want for Mother's Day is a nap. And I don't know how much it gets better for napping than today. So praise the Lord. She's going to be out all afternoon. So just don't call her. <laughs> open up your Bibles. Get out something to take notes this morning. Open up to Hebrews chapter 12. I've been out for a few weeks. It's good to be back in the house of God with you. Love being here together. Um, I'm already in trouble because my baby is in the front row staring me down and she is just like so cute. <laughs> Hurts. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, it's so good to be back in the house of God. Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 12, go ahead and stand for the reading of the word of God as you get there. We're only gonna do like three or four more stand up, sits down, it's okay. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Um, John West preached out of Hebrews 12 last week. He did the end, I'm gonna do the beginning this time. Shout out to Austin Bontrager, my dad, Jake Baird from Detroit, John West. <laughs> done such a great job serving us and, and, and shepherding us these last few weeks, preaching the word of God. Such a gift. So thank you, gentlemen. All right, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read the word of God, two verses this morning, starting verse one. Therefore, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Has anybody heard these verses before? I love these verses. These are genuinely, maybe this is like a very pastor thing to say, but these genuinely are two of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, everybody say us. That's us. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us, everybody say us, let us run, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We do thank you that you are seated at the right hand of God right now in this moment. We thank you that we get to be seated with you in heavenly places, and you are also here with us in this place. We thank you that your word is alive because you are alive. We invite you to speak to us this morning, and we ask God that the word of God would do what you promised us it would do. It would shape us, encourage us, teach us, rebuke us, exhort us, encourage us, lead us, train us this morning. We do love you, and we thank you for every mother and just every woman in our life and the way that you show yourself to us through each and every one of them, we bless them today in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. 
So I've been off uh, preaching the last few weeks, and as I've been praying for you, coming back uh, to, to preach this morning and asking God what he would have to share with us as a church this morning, I couldn't shake this desire in me um, that I wish that, in, in some, you ever notice when you, when, you, when you slow down for a second, there's some things that you start to see a little bit more clearly once you step back. I had a friend, an older guy say to me one time, he was trying to counsel me as a leader and a young pastor, and he said, he, he said uh, basically like, young man, you know it's gonna be good when an old man who's been doing something for a while says, young man, that's when you start listening. He says, you're never gonna see through the pond clearly by stepping in it. I was like, all right, I'm gonna go sit on that for about a year and a half, try to figure that one out. You know, you gotta get out, you gotta let it all settle, and you can see some things clearly sometimes. And uh, I've been thankful for a little bit of that over the last couple of weeks. And as I've been praying for you, I just kept having this thing. I was like, I wish I could, I, I more than preach a message, I wish I could sit down and just get lunch with everybody in my church and, and just share a, few, share a few thoughts. And so this morning, uh, I'm, I'm sharing a message with you just simply titled, Let's Get Lunch. Let's get lunch, you and I. I'm not really here to preach a whole, much, a whole bunch of things to you. I just wanna, I wanna get lunch and just share some thoughts with you. And these are coming from some, from some observations, a lot of praying for you, but also a lot of conversations that I'm having with lots of different people, even in our church, who are coming from different situations. And I'm seeing that there's common threads in, in what a lot of people are saying. The details are all different and all unique, but there's some common threads um, that, that I think people are, are thinking and feeling and working through right now. And I've even been sharing some things over lunch with people and finding, you know what? I wish we could all just get lunch and talk about this stuff. So that's what we're gonna do this morning. As I uh, look back and as any of us look back over the last 15 months or so that we've been through, um, it seems like we've been doing a lot of like living from reaction to reaction. You know, like starting last March or so, it has just been one thing after another that the way that we've been living our lives and navigating our lives has largely consisted of looking back at yesterday, whatever just happened yesterday, and trying to figure out how am I gonna respond to that? How do I live reaction to reaction and all the wild things that have been going on? Recently, I've been observing and noticing and even hearing from people uh, that it seems that the, the reactionary lifestyle is starting to slow down a little bit. It's not so much every day, even, even every week, there's still a lot going on, and there's, but, but, but the, just the every day waking up feeling like, what do I have to react to from yesterday? <laughs> that's, that's slowing down a little bit. And side note, praise God. <laughs> so we'll just, I know it's not all done, I know, but like, it's a little slower. Praise the Lord, I'll take that. It seems like the, the weekly or the daily unpredictability of life is, is slowing down just a little bit at least for this moment in time. And I'm noticing that the, in the conversations I'm having and in the things that people are asking me about or we're living life together, we're not spending as much time as we have over the last 15 months. We're not spending as much time looking back at yesterday or last week. We're spending less time looking at what should we react to, and there seems to be a little bit more space to begin looking forward a little bit. To be, instead of looking back at the last thing that happened, let's look forward and think through the next thing that's gonna happen. And maybe even let's make some of our own decisions of what we get to live for. 
Wow, and what we get to think about, what we get to be purposeful about going after. It's this, this general consensus, I think, of a little bit of after all that we've been through, the question that we are dealing with right now, and if you haven't dealt with this, I want to put this language to you because I think it's important for you to begin dealing with it if you haven't already. After all that we've been through, what is moving forward going to look like? Let's not spend our whole lives looking back on how, what it was and what it wasn't and all the things, Let, let's, we've got to turn the page at some point and start looking forward. Start looking forward and figuring out what are we going to do now? You know, what, what went away during COVID that I actually want back? What went away that I don't want back? What shook over the last 15 months that now I need to start getting intentional about rebuilding? What shook over the last 15 months that I just need to let it rest and lay and move on? These are questions that we need to start asking, and some of you are, and I think we're all coming into this new day of being able to look forward a little bit. And I just want to tell you, you know, whatever the last 15 months have looked like for you, some of you, they've been brutally hard. There's a lot of people where it's been amazing in a lot of ways. There's a lot of people it's been hard for financially and relationally. There's been a lot of people it's been great financially, relationally, and all kinds of different things. But whatever these last 15 months have looked like, if you're here today, you made it. Go team. You made it. You made it through. Now the question that you are either beginning to deal with or you need to begin to deal with is the question that as you move forward, what life are you going to live? What life are you going to live? It's, it's time to start getting intentional about some thoughts and some decisions about deciding, okay, Looking forward, what life are you going to live? We read Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through two. The, the book of Hebrews was written to a community of Christians who were going through a lot of stuff, just a lot of stuff, a lot of hard stuff, scary stuff, confusing stuff, painful stuff, challenging stuff. I wonder if you know what that feels like. Chapter 12, and chapter 12 isn't the only part. Sometimes when we only read a few verses, we forget we're interrupting an entire conversation here in the book of Hebrews. It's an entire letter, so I got, we gotta give a little bit of overview here. So chapter 11 that comes right before chapter 12 is a reminder of a bunch of stories, kind of giants of the faith from the past who also went through lots of stuff, all kinds of different stuff. So chapter 11 deals with that, and chapter 12 begins writing to this community who now in their own day, in their own time, are going through their own things. It's a charge to them, and it's a charge to you, and it's a charge to me this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 begins, okay, the past looked like this. Now, Christian, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you now. And it starts off, therefore, therefore, because of the testimonies I just shared with you, because of the testimony of the past, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we aren't the first ones to go through something, therefore, since we aren't going to be the last ones to go through something, therefore, since there are generations of people who were faithful to the Lord in the past, and more importantly, who God has been faithful to in the past. 
because of the witnesses behind you shouting to you through their testimonies that God is good and present and faithful in all things and at all times. Therefore, because of all of that, let us also, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run. I would encourage you to circle that in your Bible this morning. Circle, let us also, let us run with endurance the race set before us. He's saying, you know, you know my, my friends, and I wanna tell you this morning, my friends, a lot has changed. But one thing that hasn't changed is that you have a race. And it takes endurance. And you need to throw off every weight and sin that would cling so closely and hinder you. And you need to run, Christian, run. Thought about a Forrest Gump clip, but nobody got time for that. Let us run, Christian, run. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As your pastor this morning, sitting here at lunch, we'll call it brunch since it's in the morning, I wanna remind you, I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you, let us run our race. Let's run, you and I. Let's run. Be a man who throws off weight and sin and fixes his eyes on Jesus and runs. Be a woman who throws off weight and sin that clings so closely, who fixes her eyes on Jesus and runs. Let's run, you and I. Running our race is gonna take some things. It's gonna take decisions. It's gonna take intentional reprioritization of our lives. And when it's hard, hear me, when it's hard, when it's hard, we can't quit. We gotta decide that at the start. We can't quit. But rather, when it's hard, we must remember that there is a great cloud of witnesses shouting to us from the past. There are generations to come who are going to be looking back, hoping that we gave them a testimony to inherit that the race may not be easy, friends, but the race is worth it. The race is worth it. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a little intense for lunch, but this is what you get when you get me for lunch, you know? I'll be honest, I've had some people talking to me about how intense I am in my life recently, so. <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> it's a little intense for lunch, but just stick with me here. Now, I hope that what I've said so far, this truth from the word of God, I hope that it's inspiring to you. I hope that you've got that little like thing going, ooh, I wanna do that. I hope you're inspired this morning, but I don't want to spend my time with you at lunch today inspiring you, real honestly, because it doesn't always last that long, especially when it's raining outside. You walk out of that door like, we're gonna go run our race. I'm gonna get in bed and take a nap. <laughs> so I don't wanna spend our time, my time with you at lunch inspiring you this morning, honestly, but I, I wanna spend our lunch together getting outrageously practical. 
outrageously practical and equip you on a few things that are gonna help you run your race. Now, having said that, some of you are saying, oh, good, the inspiration's great, but yeah, give me something to do. You know, we need, we need something to do. I wish, I wish sometimes we'd just simplify things and give me something to do. And then as a pastor, I say, okay, go do this. And then it's like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> so what, I don't know, I know, <laughs> we're gonna go for it. Uh, do I have anybody in the house this morning who likes to go bowling back when that was a thing? Used to, used to be allowed to go bowling. I like bowling. Uh, I know I'm not going to make you admit to this, but some people, not anybody in here, but sometimes some people use the bumpers when they go bowling. You would never do such a thing, but others, other people would, you know, use these bumpers. If you're not familiar with the bumpers, it's like these rubber rails. So you got the bowling lane, you have gutters on both sides, and nothing's worse than a gutter ball. Maybe that's just me, but nothing makes me feel like a failure, like a gutter ball. This gutter ball. You're like, oh my gosh. And you got to watch it go all the way down. It's like, this just. So to solve that, you put out the bumpers. These uh, rubber rails you pull out and they just cover up the gutters. So you can't go in the gutter. It's awesome. Uh, So when you throw your ball and it's going off track, it just bounces. And back in the day when I knew somebody who used the bumpers once, what it turns into is like, how hard can I throw it off the bumpers? And it's just like, tune, 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 you know? And it's like, who cares about the pins? Let's just rail on the bumpers. <clears throat> I know that person was so weird. Um, the bumpers, you use the bumpers. See, the thing about the bumpers is you, you put them out, but you put the bumpers out and they, they don't guarantee that you're gonna get a strike every time, but they sure make it hard to totally miss. And so I want to talk to you this morning about some bumpers for your life, some bumpers to to put out in your life. These things aren't going to guarantee that you're going to do all that God's called you to do and you'll never be confused or have questions, but it sure is going to make it really hard to totally miss who God is, what he's doing, and get completely sidetracked, and heaven forbid, be a gutter ball. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the other day, Smith got some money from his uh, Nani and Papa, and uh, he's four, and I first thought was like, that's kind of a lot. <laughs> I'm going to have to start having taxes in my house, I think, off of that. <laughs> but seriously, I was like, okay, wow, this is like his first time getting some money. We should start sowing some seeds of what do we do with money around here. So of course, he comes running to me, dad, can we go to Target? He knows the dinosaur. He knows the dinosaur he's, he's getting already. He's got this thing locked in. I said, Smith, we can't go today, but we'll go sometime soon. Before we go spend your money, we need to sit down. We need to have a conversation about tithing and saving, and then we can go do it. And he started growling at me. <laughs> so with what I'm about to say, please don't start growling at me. But honestly, if you do, I just want to let you know I'm ready for it, so... We can do this. Bumper number one is tithe. Like, I didn't want to get that practical, pastor. (laughs) What about prayer and fasting? (laughs) The first bumper is tithe. Now, Now, to be clear, as we talk about tithe, this has nothing to do with the church's budget. This has everything to do with your worship. This is everything to do with your worship. And, and I, I don't have time this morning to teach much on the tithe. If you want to hear some teaching, uh, you can write this down. I did a message in June of 2019 in a series called I Think About Money a Lot. 
and the first part was called The Money You Return to God. You can go look that up. And then we just actually this week reposted a message from last fall called Thankful and Faith-Filled. That's got some teaching on this stuff. I, I, can't, I don't have time to teach on it, so I'll refer you back to that. Today's just about, hey, this is a bumper. If you want it, this is a bumper. About, um, so, so as I've been figuring out, God, how do we as a church start to look forward and run the race that you've called us to? We've been learning some different things, and um, there's about 40% of our church that gives every month to the church. That means that uh, about 60% doesn't, and that means that probably less than 40% of us are tithing. Now, listen to me. We moved here. We're coming up on five years, I think, this next week of moving back here, starting our church. We started in my house with darn near zero dollars, so I don't need your money for this. This is not what this is about. As your pastor and the pastor of this church, this has been raising questions for me about our worship and our ability to freely run the race without weight and sin that clings so closely that God has set before us. So in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is talking about living a life that stores up treasure in heaven with our lives, living for eternity, staying focused on what matters most, or as Hebrews would say, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He wants us, Jesus does, to live in the fullness of life by serving God. And he talks about a lot of different things. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, the word money here in the Greek is this word uh, mammon. And it's not actually a word that refers to specific currency. You know, it's not referring to dollars or Bitcoin. It, it, it refers to a spirit. And it's actually, it was actually like the name of a foreign god at the, at the time. So it's not so much talking about money exactly. It's talking about mammon, this spirit that is behind so many things. So as we look at this, I want you to understand the, verses that, the verse that we just read, it's not really about money. Jesus makes it clear. It's, it's about masters. This verse is about masters. See, money is a great tool. There's nothing wrong with money. Money's great. It's a great tool. It's a great fix for money-sized problems. Money's great, but mammon is a terrible master. You could say it this way. Mammon is not the money that you have. Mammon is the money that has you. And Jesus says that if we want to serve God, we cannot be owned by mammon. And God is passionate about leading us in mastering mammon so that we are free to serve him, so that we are free to run the race. God is passionate and he has given us this outrageously practical bumper in our lives called the tithe. So what is the tithe? What is the tithe? This is important, some details here. The tithe isn't just any money that you give to church. The Bible is clear that the tithe, and you can write this down if you want, the tithe is the first, first 10% of any increase. The first 10% of any increase. See, we need to understand as we talk about this that um, tithing is not giving. The Bible only, when it talks about tithe, it only refers to saying bringing the tithe. It says you bring the tithe. You don't, it never says you give the tithe. It says you bring the tithe. And that's because the Bible teaches us that the first 10% of any increase is not just for God, it actually already belongs to God. 
It's, it's already his. And so the tithe is God's. That's why you just bring it. Like, hey, I brought back your mower. I didn't give it back. <laughs> I brought it back. I, I, you, the tithe is God's. That's why you bring it to him. See, you give out of what is yours. That's why you offer it. When you bring the tithe in your life, you pass the test that is increase. Increase is a blessing and it tests you every time. When you tithe, you break the back of mammon's grip on your life. You make the decision right then and there, every time that you get paid, I serve God, I don't serve mammon. Jesus basically says in Matthew chapter six, pick one. Every time you get a paycheck, I serve God, not my paycheck. Every time you get paid, I serve God, not my debt. I trust in God, not my investments. All of these things are things that you should do with your paycheck, am I right? But what comes first? Who are you serving? Every time you get a stimulus check, my God is my provider, not my government. When you tithe, you lay aside the weight of materialism and you lay aside and throw off the sin of serving other masters, and you fix your eyes on Jesus, and you are free to run. Are you weighed down by wondering if you're honoring God with your money? I've been having lots of these different conversations lately, and it's been so fun to just look at the Bible and say, take something that sounds so complicated, like how do I honor God with my money? And that is a big thing, but there's first step is so, so simple. And so clear, when you tithe, you honor God with your money. <laughs> Check, I did it. <laughs> yes, there's other money and there's other things, but let's talk about step number one. See, if, if there isn't a spirit of mammon fighting against God, it's way easier to honor him with the rest of your money too. So you honor him with the first and you're free to honor him with the rest. See, sometimes I, I, I've been talking to some people and most of the time, this might be stereotypical, but most of the time, this is the conver a conversation that I have with men and they're asking genuinely, like, it's kind of hard. Like, I don't know if I love God like some other people because like, I don't love lifting my hands in worship. Singing the songs aren't really my thing. You know, like singing in a group of people, not really my vibe. <laughs> like, is that okay? I don't know if, I, if I'm worshiping God all that much, you know, and I just want to encourage you this morning. You don't have to love the songs to worship. Um, I, I just, if, if you're having that thought, like I would encourage you to tithe because you don't have to love, you don't have to love the songs. And it's, it's actually better for you to tithe and not love the songs than to love singing the songs, but still walk out of here serving mammon, which is super encouraging. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's like, oh, I don't have to dance? Like, praise God, because I thought that was the mark, you know? Jesus is like, no, bro, like, don't make it more complicated than it has to be. Here, let's just, let's just love me. Be free to serve me. So much is so complicated in our lives. So when we can, like right now, let's just embrace this simple bumper from the Lord as we fix our eyes on him and look to be a people who run our race. The second bumper that I want to share with you this morning is to be on time to church and serve. Some of you are wishing I took another week off right now. <laughs> like, who invited this guy back? 
<laughs> Listen to me, though. Just give me a second. Most of the time in life, it's the little things that are the big things. Am I right? It's the little things that are the big things. And I'm talking to you assuming that you're a person who says, yes, I wanna lay off weight, throw off sin, and run this race. If that's not you, this isn't gonna make any sense to you. So I'm making that assumption. So assuming that's you, when you choose the little thing, the little thing of being on time, you are making sure that the rest of your life knows that being in the house of God is at least as much of a priority as everything else you were on time for that week. Being on time is a little thing until you're late in every other area of your life, right? Being on time, it's a given. It's no big deal. But then when you're late, it just became a big deal. When you missed the meeting, you missed the reservation, you missed the date, you missed school starting, you got detention for another, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a little thing until it's not a little thing anymore. And so the rhythm of being on time is not for me. It's a testimony to your whole life, to your mind, your body, your schedule, your rhythms, your children, your friends who know what you do with your life, and all of these things to say, hey, life, I just wanna be clear, this is a priority too. This isn't gonna be the one thing I'm late for because it's no big deal. I'm testifying to myself. I'm wearing the rut in my own mind and heart. This is a priority for me. This is a priority for us. And obviously, of course, things come up and it's rainy days and all that stuff. Like, we're not gonna start like taking attendance and all that garbage. This has nothing to do with you doing anything for me. I'm just encouraging you with a bumper. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't get condemned if next week you're late and I say hi to you after church and you're like, oh, he probably knows. <laughs> God probably knows. Uh, I'm trying to come under you. I'm not trying to come Lord over you. I want you to run. And so it's the little things that are the big things. And, and this is so simple, so let's let it be simple. I'm talking about priorities, the priorities of your heart, because the reality is that nothing in, nothing, really, probably nothing, nothing in your schedule the rest of the week is pulling you towards Jesus Nothing is pulling you into a deeper revelation that you are the part of the body of Christ. <laughs> so you need to set these things into motion and to set these habits to let yourself be reminded. Let these little priority decisions consistently remind you over time and shape you. I am a part of something. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I value this in my life. I value these people. I have something to offer. I'm a part of, I'm not just here for myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are told all day, every day to build yourself. Care for yourself. Love yourself. Serve yourself. And I encourage you to look forward and choose a routine. Choose a routine that will reinforce the truth of God in your life, that you are a member of his body. He is building his church and he is returning for his bride. And we all have the opportunity to be a part of it. Choose a routine that reminds you. And see, you don't have to start by doing something crazy. You don't need to change jobs. You don't need to move somewhere. You need to, like I said, come dance in front of the room. Just, just make it normal. Make it normal. Of course, ebbs and flows. Time, make it normal to be here, be on time, and contribute. Just let that be normal. See, over the next 30 years, I know the week to week of life is crazy, and it's like, I, my, 
My life's full enough, bro. You're weighing me down. And I get it, I know. The week to week is crazy, but, but let's look down the road for a second. 30 years from now, what do you wanna look back and have been your normal? Whatever you want to look back and see, you gotta make that decision now if you're gonna be able to see it then. These things aren't gonna happen by themselves, which is why it feels like, oh gosh, I'm gonna have to make decisions for that. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm not saying you won't. I'm just encouraging you in this simple thing. What do you want your normal to be? Do you want your routine to have been 30 years from now, just the routine of consuming what God was doing on Sunday mornings? Or do you want your routine to have been contributing to what God was doing on Sunday mornings? So that's broad principle stuff. I wanna zoom in real quick to just let you know about um, kind of a, a moment that we're in, in it, for us uh, here at church. I wanna specifically invite you into some of the details of what it takes to disciple the kids in our church because I know there's been a lot of questions of parents. We've only had kids in one service for a while now and every week we have to turn kids away and there's questions that come up like, why, why can't we do that? So I'm just gonna let you know um, why that's happening. Um, so as we look over the last 15 months, whatever the numbers say, we've got about a third less adults coming on Sunday morning than we did before COVID, but the same amount of kids, which is amazing. Praise God that our kids are still here. I love that. No, I'm saying like, I'm glad, like if, if I had to pick one, I'd pick more kids and let the adults go. Give me the kids. Give me them. Let me disciple them. You can get offended by that. That's all right. That's all right. I don't mean, I'm glad you're here. I'm just saying. Let's raise up these kids is all I'm saying. I like it. I like that we have a lot of kids. So we've got less adults, but the same amount of kids. And um, out of the smaller amount of adults, um, about 45% don't serve anywhere on Sunday. So we're only able to now looking forward, keep Antioch kids, even just keep it open on 9 a.m. Uh, at the 9 a.m. service and, and have our full capacity. Um, we're only able to do that, and then even hopefully we, in the fall, we'd love to be able to open up to two services so that more of us can come and our friends and families and kids and all that sort of good stuff. We'd love to do that, but um, right now we're having to turn kids away every week um, because we just don't have enough adults in the rotation. Now, that being said, that's because it takes like everybody, and that's maybe not normal or whatever, but like, okay, that just kind of is what it is. Thank you, Jesus, you've given us so many kids. This is awesome. So to keep a kids open and then eventually open up to both services in the coming months if we need to just decide as a community if that's something we wanna do. If we do, it's gonna take everybody. And if we don't all jump in, then it's just not gonna happen. And then it's like, cool, that's where we're at. So now we're all on the same page. I'm not mad either way. Sure, I have some preferences or whatever, but I just want us to know what's going on around here. So I am not saying that it is God's will for your life. The call of God on your life is to be an Antioch Kids server. I'm not gonna to try to leverage that language and force you into something. I have no interest in that. But if you do serve in Antioch Kids, it's sure gonna help you stay humble. And that's definitely God's will for your life. Uh, it's gonna help you keep a servant heart. And that's definitely God's will for your life. It's gonna help you stay childlike. It's, gonna definitely, it's definitely God's will for your life. It's gonna help you remember that life, church, and God doesn't revolve around you. That's definitely God's will for your life. And it's gonna help you invest in kids as they navigate growing up in a world that you're looking back at and thinking, I cannot imagine growing up in that. And that's definitely God's will for your life. So you're invited. And like I said, we just need to decide. So now, uh, like, I just don't want there to be the like, question mark because I know this is happening. Like, why, why can't my kids come in? Like, that's I under, completely understandable. 
Um, it's not because I decided that or staff or whatever. It just, it takes a lot for us to be able to do that. So that's where we are. So there you go. You're welcome to jump in if you want to. If you don't, nobody's mad at you. That's just where we're at as a family. I'm just telling you that, um, yeah, that's all I'll say. Cool. So as you look forward in the coming months of your life, let's zoom out again, not, not just on that, but as you look forward in the coming months of your life, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. And I want you to remember that when you come here every time, by, by virtue of what the church is, by the edict of God, you are stepping into pregnant moments. Every time you come here together, you're stepping into pregnant moments and you have no idea what God might do with you. You have no idea what your hello might do for the person you don't know. You have no idea what your sit with me might do for the person who's sitting by themselves. You have no idea what your prayer for your friend who you haven't seen in a couple weeks might do for them in that moment. You have no idea what your worship might be doing for the person who's three rows behind you who can't worship for themselves, but sure is encouraged that there's somebody pulling them away, pulling them down the current of faith. You have no idea what your hungry reception of the word of God does to the atmosphere of this room for the people who come in who don't even know if this is the word of God, but it sure smells like faith in here. You have no idea what your humble service of a little kid is gonna do for them 10 years from now in that hot moment where they don't know what to do, but they remember there was one time a person, and I can't remember their name, but they sure loved me in the house of God. You are stepping into pregnant moments. You are invited to be part of it. And if we're going to be a part of it, if we're going to be a part of what God wants to do, it takes the little things, just the little priority things. And I wanna encourage you in that and do with it what you will. Jesus loves his church. We are his body and his bride. And when you serve one another, you serve him. The third bumper, as we wrap up our time, is that the third bumper to put in your life is to reach out to the people in your life who don't know Jesus. John did a great job preaching on this last week, so you can go back and listen to that if you missed it. Just here to remind you. Just here to remind you. Reach out to the people in your life who don't know Jesus. See, the bottom line is this, and this is true for me as much as it's true for anybody else. If we aren't reaching out to the people in our lives, the gospel hasn't clicked. It's just true. And I, I'm saying that to put a mirror in front of my own face as much as I am to bring that to you. If we are not individually and collectively, consistently reaching out to the people in our lives who don't know Jesus, this gospel, this good news has not clicked in our own hearts. See, if we are gonna run our race, we must remember the gospel. And I wanna tell you this morning that I tithe to remember the gospel. I remember that I didn't used to be free. I used to be bound. I used to be a slavery, a slave to sin, a slave to so many other masters. But Jesus in his grace set me free from being a slave to masters who lead to death. And now I am a slave to righteousness who leads me into life. His life flows through me. He doesn't only just provide for my life, but he provides me life itself. And now every time that I experience his provision in my life, I return back to him the very first 10% so that I remember him. 
so that I honor him, to worship him and keep my heart free from the masters that he freed me from so that I can run and serve him with my whole life. I serve to remember the gospel. I used to be so lost, so lost that I thought the world revolved around me. That's how lost I was. I thought I had to fight for myself, exalt myself, care for myself, build up myself, protect myself, prove myself. But Jesus came and he didn't come to be served. He came to serve and he served me. He served me when he got on the cross to redeem you and me from and all of humanity. He served me when he poured out his spirit to birth the church and make me new. He served me when he gave us gifts that we might manifest him for the common good of everybody else around us. He served me when he gave me breath and energy this morning when I woke up. He served me when he's gonna let me wake up tomorrow if he does in his grace. He served me when he grafted me into his body. When I was an orphan, he adopted me as a child and brought me in as a needed member of his body so that I would never, ever, ever have to ever do this alone again. He served me. He served me when he brought you here today so that I could see his face and taste his presence. He served me. And if my master came to serve, who am I to come into his house to be served? I reach out to remember the gospel. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I live. And now in a world where the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I get to live a life. I get to live life. Even in a life that's so distracting with its cares and deceitfulness, I remember I am adopted. As a child of the king, I've been empowered to be an ambassador of a kingdom that is not of this world, of a holy city, a holy mountain, a mountain that cannot be shaken. And God is now making his appeal to the whole world through me. On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, sometimes we look at these things, we can look at these three bumpers, and it's great that they're practical, but they sure can kind of come off pretty, pretty legalistic. But when I look at these three things, I don't see legalism, I see God's mercy. It is his mercy to step into my complicated life and get so specific, so practical, so clear, because in the world I'm living in and the life I'm living, the more I try to figure it out, the more confusing it gets. But it's his mercy to come in with this clarity. And I wanna encourage us as we begin to look forward, rebuilding our lives, rebuilding a life that is fixed on Jesus, that is running the race marked out for us. It can feel so daunting and it can be really hard to know where to start. So that's why I just wanted to get lunch with you and make it really simple and encourage you. I'm not gonna make you do these things, but can I encourage you just to start here? Just start here on this long journey that we're all on. Just start, start here. Get intentional and just start here. See the shaking that you've been through over these last 15 months so far has been pretty tough. So let's just start with these three things. Give it 15 months. 
Just start with these three things. Give them 15 months and let's run together. Let's run together. You and me and the rest of us in here, let's, let's run together. Let's simplify. Let's lock these rhythms into our lives and let's fix our eyes on Jesus and let's run. Let us also run. Let's join everybody who came before us. Let's join everybody who's shouting from the past. Let's set an example for your children who are back there right now. Let's set an example for the generations to come. Let's set an example for everybody who's gonna fill the empty seat that you're sitting in right now. Let us burn and let us run this race because God has marked it out for us. Good works prepared in advance for you to do. He is not giving you a list of anything to go pull off. The life of faith is simply a life that holds on. Holds on to the word of God. In this complicated world, I'm holding on to the simplicity of the word of God. Let's stand this morning. I wanna pray for us and our worship team's gonna lead us. Our prayer team's gonna come to the front. If there's anything you need to respond to this morning, just do it however God's leading you to do it. If you need a miracle in your life, healing, anything at all, please come and get your prayer that you need this morning. Jesus, come and move on us, Holy Spirit. Come and lead us into a fresh place of surrender. I'm asking now that you would fill us with fresh hope by the word of God, that we would understand that you are setting us up to succeed in the race that you've called us to. Let us be a people who choose freedom and run with endurance, with our eyes fixed on you for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.